All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you here. You made it. I don't know where all of you were last week. No, we were online. So we're glad that you, a few of you showed up anyways, though. A few of you came anyways, but we're glad that you're here today. My name is Daniel. If we haven't had a chance to meet, so, so good to have you. If you're part of our online community, I want you to know that we're so glad that you are staying engaged. Um, I feel like sometimes the church's place in society is to hold people accountable. So I just want to check in on how you guys are doing with your New Year's resolutions. Everybody doing all right? Okay, don't answer it. No need to answer, but we're glad that you're here. You, you came to the right place. I'm excited that we're stepping into a brand new year. I feel like 2022 has some uh, opportunity for us, and I'm excited that today we are beginning a brand new series of messages called Dangerous Prayers. And if you're new with us, to the, uh, new to the conversation this morning, um, a series for us is just a collection of talks that we spread out over several weeks, and we focus on a theme, a topic, or a passage from Scripture, and then we apply it to our everyday lives. Now, one of the things that has been particularly important in this process is the application process, because what we have learned is that this is oftentimes where we see God's word comes to life is when we apply it to our lives. Uh, and until we apply it, all that we're learning and thinking through uh, is, is just a good idea. I came across a passage this week in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, and it says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. I think that this is sometimes what happens when we come to church, but we don't apply what we're hearing. We don't apply the word um, into our lives. Uh, and so this is really important, especially this week, because over the course of the next few weeks, as we launch this series, we're going to have some unique opportunities to apply what we're learning and so uh, pumped, pumped to jump into the conversation. I do want to give a quick shout out to Life Church, who allowed for us to use their graphics uh, in this series. Very, very grateful for them. Um, this series, I think, is, is really important because for us, it was born out of a deep desire to help people experience more of God. And I think that that is why most of us are here on a Sunday morning. Some of you may be here because you have a friend that comes here and you like hanging out with them and you go grab lunch after church. That's one reason. Others of you may be here because maybe that's just been part of your rhythm all your life. You go to church and this is just a place for you to go. There are some of you that like the music so much, you just keep coming back. Others of you like the kids ministry and you come. Some of you, there may be a girl you're interested in and you show up to church and you sacrifice your Sunday morning sleep. But, all right. Brad is here for Zaina. <laughs> uh, but I think that at the, the deepest level, most of us who are here regularly on a Sunday morning have come to terms with the fact that the more you embrace God's vision for your life, the happier you become. And we're not talking about some surface level happiness. We're talking about the type of happiness that Jesus talks about when he uses the word makarios in the Sermon on the Mount, which is also translated as blessed, I think that most of us are here on a Sunday morning because we are in search of a blessed, of a blessed life. And in a sense, that is why our church is here. Uh, for a while, we used to, at the beginning of every message, used to say, we are here to help you take a next step with Jesus, no matter where you're at on the journey of faith. If you're new to faith or you've been on the journey for decades, wherever you're at, there's a place for you here. 
And, and the way that that has looked like uh, in our church over the last few years is part of it is like trial by error, right? You learn on the job. So if you've stepped into this community, you are learning how to connect with God just because you're worshiping and you're singing songs and you're watching how other people engage in their relationship with God. The other part of what we do here at Eden is we are more intentional. We have coaching and development and uh, discipleship and teaching that, that we have developed these programs to help people take these intentional steps in their relationship with God. So you've heard us talk about joining a group, and you'll hear a little bit more about that today because groups are, are launching in February. Uh, we've challenged you over the last few months, many of you, to d- begin demonstrating generosity to this community for the first time. We've stretched people. We have, um, we have challenged many of you to step into a service role, to begin serving. And what we have learned is like every time that we introduce some of the principles that we see in Scripture that help people to grow in their relationship with God, it begins to grow a different facet of our faith. But I think that we are stepping into a new season in the life of this church where I think God wants us to experience another layer of our relationship with him. And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be tapping into prayer, this idea of prayer. In, in college, I wrestled in college. My coaches were real intentional about the language that we used with our team. And they never called us athletic students, right? They never called us athletic students. Instead, in our program, they always referred to the wrestlers on our team as student athletes. And the reason they did that was because in their minds, it was more important for us to be committed to our academics than it was to be committed to our athletics. Now, I don't know that that had a lot of influence with many of the wrestlers on the team, but that was the goal. The language was important. And I think that there is a difference between a church that prays and a praying church. A church that prays sprinkles prayer over the ministries that they do. And there's nothing wrong with that because any amount of prayer provides benefit uh, to to whatever is being prayed for. But I think that the, the difference with a church that prays and a praying church is that a praying church doesn't sprinkle prayer over their ministry. They see prayer as the ministry of the church. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be stepping into that, not just as a church, but we're going to challenge you to become people of prayer. And I know that there are probably a number of different camps represented in this community this morning. There are some of you that don't pray. You've never prayed. The only time you pray is when you're at church and maybe before a meal with some religious friends you have, and it's always awkward if you're in a public place, and you wouldn't even know where to start if someone said you should start praying. You wouldn't even know where to start. That's one camp. The second camp is that I imagine that there are some of you that have been a part of a community like this for a number of years, and you have prayed, but you have found that so often the things that you pray for never get answered. You have found that the stuff that you go to God with seems as though God doesn't even hear you. And so you may be disillusioned or discouraged when it comes to your prayer life. And that is why research for decades has basically said that most people who identify as followers of Jesus pray less than five minutes a day. And that makes sense, right? If that has been your experience. 
If prayer has been ineffective in your life, why would you devote more time to praying when it hasn't made a difference? That's the second group. The third group, I think, is there are some of you that have been committed to prayer in your life. And you have seen God do miraculous things in your life. And you are bought into this idea of stepping into this this practice, this discipline that we see described all throughout Scripture. But you may have the sense as you step in this morning that there is still more that God wants to show you in your prayer life. There's still more that he wants you to explore. If you are any of those, then this series is for you, all right? So that's all of us, I think. I think that's most of us. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the New Testament this morning. That's the second half of the Bible. And it's the part of the Bible that talks about the life of Jesus and the development of the early followers of Jesus, which are collectively known as the church, okay? And I love describing this almost every time that we jump into the Bible because it's a really helpful reminder to us. In our common vernacular, when it comes to uh, our, our culture, we say we're going to church, right? But when you look at the New Testament, maybe a more accurate description to describe uh, what, has, what, what happens among God's people is not that we go to church, but we are the church. We are God's people, And so uh, this morning, we're going to jump into a conversation in Scripture that Jesus is having with his disciples, and it changes the way that they see life moving forward. And my prayer, my hope, is that it does the same for us this morning. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying... And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, this is a really interesting passage. We're going to tackle the rest of the passage um, uh, over the next few weeks because this is where Jesus begins to teach his disciples how to pray. But we're going to focus on verse 1 this morning. And there is something that happens in this passage that doesn't happen in any other passage in the entire gospel account, in the entire New Testament. And it wasn't Jesus praying, right? There's basically only two things that happen in this one verse. One, it says that Jesus was praying. All throughout Scripture, all throughout the, the, the New Testament and the gospel accounts, we see that Jesus oftentimes retreated to a quiet and lonely place, and he prayed. But this, in this verse, was the only time that his disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them about anything. Can you believe that? That's the only time in the gospel accounts that we have record of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them anything, and they asked him to teach them to pray. They said, would you teach us to pray the way that, you taught, the way that John taught his disciples to pray? John was a prophet who came before Jesus. He was also his half-cousin, And John's ministry was basically to go and to prepare the way before Jesus. Essentially, he was Jesus' hype man, okay? He was letting everybody know that the Messiah was coming, the kingdom of God was coming, and, and, and he developed a crew of people that helped him to prepare the way of Jesus. And part of John's development of his people was to teach them how to pray. But as amazing as John was and his role in the New Testament his role compares, does not compare to the role that Jesus has. And you would think 
that at this point in the disciples' relationship with Jesus, they would have asked him to teach them about other things. I mean, they watched Jesus prophesy to the crowds. And in their lifetime, they saw what Jesus said was going to happen, happen. Right? If that were me, I'd be like, Jesus, how did you do that? They watched Jesus preach. And almost every time we see Jesus teaching to the crowds, it says that the crowds were astonished by his teaching. And you might think, if you were a disciple, man, to learn some oratory skills like Jesus, you would think, Jesus, would you teach us to preach, to teach? You would think that maybe after watching Jesus perform so many miracles, feeding of the 5,000 or healing the blind. Remember, Jesus spit in the dirt and he rubbed the dirt on people's eyes and they could see again, right? Imagine if you were in, in that moment with Jesus watching that. Would that not be the thing that you thought, that, Jesus, would you teach us how to perform miracles? But his, his disciples never asked Jesus to teach them about any of those things, but he did ask, them, ask him to teach them how to pray. And the question is, why? Like, why would you not want to learn about the thing that would probably get you the most recognition? Why would you not want to learn the thing that would probably get you the most likes on your social media page or the most views on your YouTube channel? Why wouldn't you ask for God to teach you the thing that would probably land you the most lucrative career? And instead what they do is they ask him about the thing that nobody ever saw him do. But this is why. They figured out that Jesus' public ministry was fueled by his prayer life. Jesus' public ministry was powered by his private ministry. They could see that the power that was coming out in Jesus in front of everyone else was the product of what happened when he was alone with God. And so instead of asking, how do you perform miracles? How do you preach? How do you prophesy? They say, Jesus, how do you pray? And I just imagine in my mind that this question, these guys were, you know, they were normal guys, right? So I'm not assuming that they were uh, supernaturally spiritual. I imagine that this came out of some trial and error. Jesus said, you're going to have the power that I have. You're going to have access to that. And so they go out and they try to preach like Jesus preached, but they don't get the same response. And they try to heal like Jesus healed, and they're not seeing the same results. And I just imagine that they tried these things, and they may have asked themselves, what is the difference between what I'm doing and what Jesus is doing? I also imagine there are a few logical conclusions. One, they were not the Son of God, okay? Jesus, there's nothing you can do about that. What can you do? But number two, I think that they recognized that there were patterns in Jesus' life that were different than the patterns in their own life. Because we see in Scripture that while they were, sa were, they, while they were sleeping, Jesus was praying. While they were hanging out, Jesus was calling out to God. While they were eating, Jesus was on his knees alone, connecting to God. And so the disciples begin to attach the dots, connect the dots, that Jesus was gaining his power through prayer. 
And as we reflect on this reality, it's interesting, right? If Jesus needed prayer, how much more do the disciples need prayer to do what God was calling them to do? And if the disciples needed prayer, how much more do we need prayer? Because it is so crazy to think that so many of us function in our everyday lives without prayer. So we ask the question, what is prayer? Prayer, I think, is a lot of things. Someone has described prayer as just talking to God. I think that's accurate. Uh, We see in Scripture that part of our prayer life is demonstrating gratitude to God. Philippians chapter 4, part of our prayer life is, is demonstrating dependence upon God. Luke chapter 11, give us our daily bread. But I think as we, as we sort of put together all the different facets that are represented in prayer, at the core of prayer is that it is a mechanism that brings us into the presence of God. I have a reading buddy. I don't know if you guys have reading buddies, but I have a, I have a friend, Jonathan Tan. Some of you guys know him. Whenever I read a good book, I share with him. I say, hey, let's read this book together. Let me know what you think. And, um, and I've learned with Jonathan, I do not tell him about a book that I'm reading until I get to the last chapter. Because what takes me six week to, weeks to read takes Jonathan six hours. And so if I tell him any before that, he's, he's saying, hey, I'm done with the book. And by the time I finish and we meet, he's already forgotten uh, all the content of the book. But recently, we've been reading some books on prayer together. And, and so we got together and we started uh, meeting and we chatted. And one of the things that I thought that was so powerful because I was sort of going in one direction in my thought, but he said something, and I'm kind of summarizing, summarizing it, but he said, he said, it is not, prayer is not the goal. God is the goal. We just pray because prayer helps us to connect to God. And I thought that that was so powerful. Because when we think about what prayer does for us is it brings us into God's environment. And in that space is where we become changed. Many of you probably know Premu. Premu is our kids coordinator. And I have probably known Premu for about seven years. But the primary context of my relationship with Premu has been what happens in this organization, what happens in this church. But about a year and a half ago, I got invited to a surprise birthday party for Premu. And there I met a number of her family members that I'd never met before. And I saw Premu in a completely different light when I was in a different environment with her. Her family was loud. They were laughing, having a good time. I'm telling you, it was, it was a wonderful experience. But when I stepped into that place, it changed my relationship with her. I felt like I saw her from a completely different perspective. That is what happens when we pray. We are brought into God's realm of reality. And in that place, as we interact with God, we become changed. We enter into the presence of God. In 2 Corinthians, uh, in 2 Corinthians Paul talks about being caught up in heaven, in God's dwelling place. I love how one person describes prayer. They said that prayer narrows the gap between heaven and earth. Prayer, in some way, in a sense, is is the way that we enter into God's presence. And Psalm chapter 27, verse 4, I think, gives a really helpful description of what that looks like. It says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And I realize that that may sound super spiritual, but basically what it's talking about is being in communion with God, being in relationship with God. It's been said that you are the sum total of your five closest relationships. And so the argument behind that statement is that the people that you spend the most time with, you become like. Well, prayer is how we spend time with God. It is how we begin to understand God's mind and his heart. It's how we enter into his presence. And this is what I have learned about prayer, is that God will either change you or he will change your situation. God will either change you or he will change your your situation. John chapter 15, verse 7 says this. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask whatever you wish and it will be done done for you. That's a powerful statement. But it does take some navigating to understand what it means. If you'll notice, in other words, it's saying that if your hearts are aligned with God, he will move on your behalf. But it is a conditional statement. It says, if, if you remain in me. And what this passage, the part of the power of this verse in, in, in application to praying is that part of praying is God aligning our hearts with his heart. And oftentimes what happens is that in the process of praying, we become changed as a result of that. In prayer, sometimes you will go to God with a request, but after some time in prayer, what you thought you needed, you realize you don't really need anymore. And what you thought you wanted, you realize that you don't even want anymore. God will change us, or he will change our circumstance. And this is the point, is that without prayer, I think that it is hard to align our hearts with God. I think that you can align your mind with God when you read scripture, but if you want to align your heart with God, that happens in the midst of prayer. And this is where power in our life comes from, when we are connected to the source. And I think that this was a moment of realization for the disciples. They were prompted to ask Jesus as they reflected on their own life compared to what he was doing because they realized that that is where his power came from. And I think that it's crazy that there are so many of us that are wandering through life without prayer as a foundation. That would be like trying to drive your car without gas. That'd be like trying to run a marathon without eating food the night before. Have you guys ever tried to go fishing without a fishing pole? I have. Ineffective. Okay? But that's the way that a lot of our lives look. Like we go to work. And we spend all day with people navigating so many unique relationships and so many different problems. We have so many goals and aspirations going into this next year, 2022. And I imagine that for some of us, our process is to start like making a list and writing a goal, and putting it on the calendar, and we write a strategy, and we write a plan. But I also imagine that for many of us, 
there was not one line item that had anything to do with prayer going into this next year. And I am telling you, walking through life without prayer is like walking through life with a weight on your back. I love this one parable, not parable, this one time that Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was talking about the harvest and he was using it as sort of a symbolism for for ministry opportunity in the world. And he said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And if you lived in in a gregarian society that lived off the land, that statement would cause like an exorbitant amount of anxiety in your life. The harvest has come, and we don't have enough people to go pick the fruit or to grab the food, all the work that we had done for the last several months is about to be wasted because we don't have people to go and collect the harvest. And this would have been an urgent situation. But what does Jesus tell his disciples to do in light of that? He doesn't say go run to all your friends and find anyone you can to help pick the harvest. He doesn't say go on your social media page and let everybody know that there's this great drastic lead. He doesn't tell them to go do anything except he says go and pray. Go pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. I don't know where you have found yourself in this season of life. And I don't know what goals and aspirations you have going into 2022. I don't know what dreams you have. I don't know what hopes you have for your children or for your family or for your own life. All I know is that if you step into this next year and you don't invite God into the process, it is going to be like running on a treadmill. You're going to be having a lot of activity. You're going to be exerting yourself a lot, but you're not going to be getting anywhere. And I'm telling you that if this next year you want to see transformation happening in your life, not at the surface level, but if you want to experience God doing something new in your life, I want to challenge you to consider stepping into prayer in a way that you never have before. And we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Going into this next week, Dana already mentioned it in our introduction, but we're going to be stepping into prayer as a church. And I don't know what is going to be on the other side of this journey, but every time this church has decided to link arms and to step into faith, we have seen God do ridiculous things. Over the last few months, we have seen miracles happen. There's nothing short, uh, there's no other description to describe what has happened in this church over the last few months. And, And in a sense, that to me has been the result of the faithfulness of this community of people that have stretched themselves. But I think that God still has more for us. And I'm not sure that it's gonna be about us doing more, but what if it meant, what if God was gonna do exponentially more in this church and in your life if we just got on our knees and we invited him into the journey. And so beginning tomorrow, we have a Bible reading plan that is focused on prayer. It's called Dangerous Prayers. You can go to our website and access it. But as a church, 
we're going to be doing this together. And so I want to encourage you, download the Bible app. Make sure you're commenting every day. But I promise you, if you commit to do that, you will experience something fresh as you step into this new year. The second part of what we're doing in this next week is we are also challenging you to consider fasting. And fasting is sort of this ancient discipline that has been developed for a long time. But the goal of fasting is to decrease your consumption so that you can increase your connection. Decreasing what we're consuming in this life, whether it's social media, whether it's TV, or, or, or uh, even potentially some negative relationships in your life. Decreasing your consumption so that you can increase your connection to God. And the most traditional way to fast is to fast from food. And the idea is that when you sense that you are hungry for food, it is an opportunity to redirect your heart and to choose to be hungry for God, to be hungry for more of God. And so over the next week, we're going to be stepping into this new year, and we're going to pray, and we're going to fast together. And we're going to see what God does with all of that. And I believe uh, that that God is going to do some special stuff in our lives and through this church as we seek him, as we allow for our hearts to come into alignment with his heart. Now, I imagine that there are probably some of us today, whether you're tuning in online or whether you're here in person, and you're thinking prayer has never been a part of my story because I don't really sense that I have a connection to God at all. And if that's where you're at this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to step into faith for the first time, to pay, pray what may be your very first prayer, to step into a relationship with God, to experience what it feels like to have faith. And so uh, this morning, if that's you, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer, and I want you to repeat after me in your hearts. And so I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and to bow their heads this morning. And, if, and, and this morning, if you want to step into faith, you can repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, we love you and I thank you that you have continued to pursue me even when I wanted nothing to do with you. But this morning I sense that there is something missing. There's a component of my life that feels empty and there's a void and I think that it's you. This morning, I want to receive the promise of hope that comes through relationship with your son. Today, I believe that you love me enough to send him to this earth to be hope for the world and to sacrifice his life so that I, so that I can experience freedom and peace. Today, I ask that you would give me the strength to follow you in the days to come. In Jesus' name, I believe. I want you to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. And this morning, if you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, would you raise your hand so that we can know what God is doing in this place? Go ahead and just slip your hand up. If you're watching online, go ahead and write amen in the chat or click the button that you made the decision and you prayed that prayer. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. 
in this world. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. And God, we thank you that you have a plan and you have a purpose for each of our lives. And as we step into this new year, God, we pray that we wouldn't try to do it on our own strength, but that we would invite you into every circumstance. God, that we would have the discipline and the wisdom to invite you into every relationship. God, that we would invite you into every conflict that we have. We would invite you into every season of uncertainty. God, I pray that this church and our hearts and these people would be aligned with yours as we step into this new year and watch what prayer can do to a tired heart, to a confused spirit. Because God, prayer will help us to step into your presence more. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, would you do me a favor? And can we show some love to those folks who made a decision to step into faith for the very first time?